It's Friday night, and that means it's time for the Three Buddies Radio Racing Show. We've got all the usuals on the show tonight, including an exclusive interview with Gay Calloway. Hopefully, we'll be also joined by Gavin Sheehan. Plus, of course, our regulars, Colin Brown, Dave Wilson, Jamie Snowden, Rod Millman and Nick Schofield. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Let's see what news Mike Padden's got for us this morning. Hello and a very warm welcome along to this week's edition of the Racing News with all the news that is the news from the racing media, which includes the Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. My name's Mike and here is your first story. The final step proved one too many for Bailly, as his unbeaten record and sheen of greatness were undone at odds of 1-4, to four, as Baybridge put forward his own claim to excellence in winning the Kipco Champion Stakes. This farewell leg of Bailly's tour as Frankel's greatest tribute act was hoped to be the biggest parting compliment to the great horse, whose path he has followed exactly since this meeting last year. From the QE2 at the end of their respective three-year-old campaigns via the Lockinge, the Queen Anne, Sussex Stakes and International, all the way to their swan song in the Champion Stakes, Baid has trodden the road of a colossus. No horse has got close to hitting each note the way Baid has. That such a wondrously talented horse failed here at the eleventh time of asking, finishing a length and three quarters behind the relatively unheralded winner, only emphasised the magnitude of Frankel's achievement in going through an entire racing career unbeaten. It was a defeat that sucked the atmosphere right out of the place and the guts right out of his trainer, William Haggis. He said, He got beat in a horse race but that doesn't take away from the fact he is a high-class horse. It shows that people come racing to see the good ones, and I think a lot of people wanted to see him win. A lot of people will be very disappointed. Nobody more so than us, but that's the way it is. The applause which greeted Baid on his return to the parade ring touched those feeling the hurt most. And Angus Gold, speaking on owner Shaker Hissar's behalf, blamed defeat firmly on the ground. He said, Jim said he couldn't quicken. When he pulled him out, he hoped he'd do what he's done before on faster ground, but he simply couldn't quicken on that ground. Perhaps it's not the greatest surprise. In my experience, it's a rare horse who acts as well on fast ground as he does and also acts as well on soft ground. He tried his best, but he couldn't pick up. On the mood in the camp, he added, you can't be despondent when a horse gives you everything like he does. I'm sad for him. He hasn't gone out unbeaten, but he's still given us some fantastic days and is as good a horse as he always was. It just didn't work for us today. 
I wouldn't take anything away from the winner. He is a fantastic horse, as is the runner-up, Adair. The only thing I feel sorry for is his record isn't unbeaten, but he's no lesser a horse for that. Ah, yes, the winner. For all this will be remembered by racing fans as the champion stakes in which Baid got beaten. It is Baybridge's name that will forever be etched on the trophy. The Baid camp's pain was matched by the Baybridge camp's joy. Sir Michael Stout, of course, has been here before. For Richard Kingscote, this season has been something of a coming-out party. He started it with two Group 1 wins to his name, both in Ireland. And he finishes it having doubled a life's work in five months. And they are not just any Group 1s. In taking the Derby on Desert Crown and the Champion Stakes on Bay Bridge, he has claimed two of Britain's most prestigious races. The winning jockey said... It's very nice, and I'm very grateful to everyone for having me. Two lovely horses have made for a spectacular year. He gave me a lovely ride, he jumped in a nice pitch, travelled enthusiastically, and picked up very well. We rode our own race. In the prelims, we said we'd ride our own race rather than mess him around, and we've seen a nice horse on the day. Kingscote was more than happy to be cast in the role as the pantomime villain by bursting Baid's bubble, and added, That's why we race horses, to see what they can do. You can't be afraid of one horse, all it takes is an off day. Baid's such a great horse, but my lad turned up and showed his true colours today. It is perhaps a measure of what Kingscote has achieved this season that Stout, who has won six derbies and now three champion stakes, described himself as delighted to have won both races in the same year. Stout, as a trainer, is not known for heaping undue praise on his horses, so it carried extra weight when he said it was a very brave performance. The staff have done a great job with this horse. He came back from Sandown with a knock, and we had to back him off, but he was in very good form coming here. I thought the favourite was unbeatable, but I thought we had a great chance of being second. He's in terrific shape, he's got a great mind, and is an easy horse to train. Jim Crowley was adamant that soft ground had blunted Baid's brilliance after the horse everyone had come to see suffered the first defeat of his career in the last start in a drama-filled Kipco champion stakes. Crowley has been the lucky man in the saddle for eight of Baid's ten victories, but number 11 proved a step too far as Baid could never get on terms with the leaders before faltering into fourth spot. Europe's highest rating horse has four victories on ground officially described as good to soft, including when winning the Queen Elizabeth II stakes on Champions Day last season. But this was the first time he had encountered ground described by the clerk of the course, Chris Stiggles, as good to soft, soft in places, and the softer conditions were to blame as far as Crowley was concerned. It was just ground as simple as that, said Crowley after slipping his saddle from Baid's back for the final time. I turn into the straight and normally where he would pick up, he's been able to do it on good to soft, but that kick that's normally there just wasn't there. It's as simple as that and it was heavy weather really. 
Baid even had to play second fiddle to stablemate my Prospero on this occasion, a horse rated £21 inferior on official ratings, but who finished one and a quarter lengths in front of his famous stablemate in third. Asked when he first feared he was in trouble, Crowley said, as soon as I went for him. Every time I've gone for him in the past, it's been instant, but it just wasn't there. I pressed the button and it wasn't there. We've all seen what he can do, and today it wasn't there. Despite Baid signing off on a first defeat of an otherwise unblemished career, Crowley played tribute to his horse of a lifetime, who earned £2,691,962 in prize money and retires to stud as a six-time Group 1 winner. Crowley said, It's been unbelievable. He's a very special horse. It's sad that he hasn't finished his career unbeaten because we've come so far. For me to today, it was sad because that kick wasn't there. He's captured the imagination and I'm sorry for everyone we couldn't do it today, but he's still a special horse. Baid's defeat in the £1.3 million Kipco Champion Stakes is likely to have handed the trainer's title to Charlie Appleby, who extended his lead to £365,088, courtesy of Adair's second place. Appleby carried a £66,332 lead into the richest day of the flat season and a third in the champion sprint with creative force and seconds in the Queen Elizabeth II and champion stakes with modern games in a day resulted in the defending champion adding over half a million pounds to his prize money total stretching out to a near unassailable lead. Appleby has now scooped £5,959,450 in win and place prize money, which puts him £365,088 ahead of Haggis, with John and Thady Gosden, who were victorious with Emily Upjohn, a further £717,305 adrift. Although the Trainers' Championship doesn't finish until December 31st, the Vertem Futurity Trophy Stakes, worth £118,400 to the winner, is the only Group 1 remaining in the flat calendar, and Haggis does not have a two-year-old entered in the race. Next, here on the Racing News. On a day of upsets, the biggest one of all came in the final race as the forgotten 80-1 outsider of the 20-runner lineup, Shalia, landed the Balmoral handicap. In another bookmaker's benefit race, the six-year-old swooped late to take the sole handicap on the Champions Day card and land another useful pot for David O'Meara, who was winning the £200,000 mile contest for the third time. Shalia pounced under a patient Jason Watson to nab the William Haggistrain Sweet Believer by one and a half lengths, with 16 to 1 chance Takiri Bay in third. The tote tricast paid out £10,658.61 to a £1 stake, with the 9 to 2 favourite Bashkira well beaten in 12th to compound a frustrating day for Haggis. Shalia had only won once in six starts since finishing seventh on his first attempt in this event 12 months ago. But in a mirror, who took this prize in 2017 with Lord Glitters and again with Escobar two years later, he had the perfect handler to prep him for the big day. Amira said, 
That's a great prize to win. I didn't really expect him to win, but I thought he would finish close, maybe fourth or fifth. There have been plenty of shock results today, but I did think our horse was overpriced. He always had a lot of potential, but is a tough ride, and Jason was excellent on him today. He deserves a lot of credit for that performance. And our next story, here on the Racing News. Frankie Dettori woke to reports he might retire. He put them to bed almost as quickly as he did the Group 1 Kipco British Champion Sprint Stakes. Dettori made it look easy aboard the day's major gamble, Kinross. Sent off the 3-1 to favourite, having been available at double those odds 24 hours before the off, he never gave his backers a moment's worry. Given this is Ascot and he had Frankie Dettori on board, there were a great many of them cheering him home. This place sounds different when that man is in front. This competitive-looking sprint was done as a contest with a furlong and a half to run. The other 17 runners were scrapping amongst themselves for the minor honours, with Kinross showing them the way home from run to freedom, sent off at 150 to 1, and last year's winner, Creative Force. It was emphatic, and the crowd had plenty of time to revel in Dettori's eighth Group 1 of the year. Having drawn a blank at the Royal Meeting, and then breaking up and getting back together with John and Thady Gosden, Dettori revelled in the Ascot atmosphere. He said, The one I wanted to follow was William Buick aboard Creative Force, but I saw the distress signals at the one and a half, and I knew my fella stayed and wouldn't stop in front, so I kicked nice and early and he ran to the line. I was able to hear the crowd cheering, so it was a very good feel factor, he said. Asked about his reported plans to make next season his last, he added, I said I might, it's a possibility, but I didn't say I was going to. Everyone's always asking me, and anything is a possibility. Kinross was following up his Prix de la Forêt win over seven furlongs at Longchamp 13 days ago, and Dettori added, He's in tremendous form. Ralph Beckett and the whole team have done a fantastic job. His confidence is sky high. He's now won his last four two group ones in two weeks. He's a push-button ride, and he loves the conditions. I was very confident he'd run a huge race. Six is his bare minimum, but with these conditions it made it tougher for the others. If Kinross runs again this season, it will be over two furlongs further, with Beckett nominating next month's Breeders' Cup mile at Keeneland, for which Betfair Sportsbook cut him to nine to four from four. The trainer said, I've always had a hankering for him to do it at this trip, even with a Breeders' Cup mile on the horizon. We'll go there as well with any luck. He's better off running than galloping. If he's right, he'll go. Fast ground over six would have been a bit of a struggle, but soft ground is no bother to him. I was delighted to see him travelling so well when naval ground came off it. What a horse he is. We're blessed to have him. I trained his mother, and she ran in the Oaks, so for him to be as effective at this trip gives us all a real kick. For Beckett and owner Mark Chan, it was a remarkable third top-flight victory in three weeks, initiated by Lezou's Cheverly Park Stakes Triumph. Emily Upjohn refueled dreams she could emerge into an art contender as the exciting three-year-old finished the season displaying the same brilliance with which he started it.
The daughter of See the Stars, who was electric on her first two starts at Sandown and in York's Musidura Stakes in May, bounced back from a nightmare spell to win with the same dazzle which had once placed her at the top of the betting for the art. That lofty position came, albeit for a short time, after an epic performance when a gut-wrenching second followed a dismal start in the Oaks in June. More frustration came a month later when she flopped in the King George on her next start. This had been a horse seemingly destined to win a Group 1, but luckily the Gosdens know precisely how to prime their middle-distance fillies to deliver. A three-month break and the fitting of a hood for the first time had her rejuvenated and arguably better than ever for British Flat Racing's final day feast. Frankie Dutori was brewing with confidence after King Ross's victory earlier and his mount appeared to be in a similar mood. She travelled with ease and authority, burst to the front in the straight and found plenty under pressure to charge clear and win by three lengths, justifying three-to-one favouritism. Irish trained pair Thunderkiss and Insinuendo filled the places at odds of 50 to 1 and 80 to 1, respectively. The winners' owners, Andrew and Madeline Lloyd Webber, Stuart Roden, and Jonathan Shack, whose horses run under the name of his tactful financial business, have plenty to look forward to as they confirmed she would stay in training in 2023. Bookmakers make Emily John 14-1 second favourite for next year's arc and an excited shack told ITV Racing With luck on our side we'll try and do what Alpinista did and win the arc She's the best three-year-old filly You have to be prepared for the ups and downs in racing but the point I've been making is that we had two years in lockdown lost a lot of friends due to Covid so we have to seize the day and enjoy it This is what it's all about Dittori winning this race for the sixth time added. She's had plenty of TLC at home and the team have done a good job at keeping her quiet and it's paid off. Well done everyone. It was a great performance after a three month layoff. I had to go three wide and she won by three lengths so it was a top class performance. This has been this week's Racing News, with all the news that is the news from the racing media, which includes Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. Join us again next time, and thanks for listening. Thanks to Mike Padden for all the news, and now let's find out exactly where we can go racing this weekend. There are seven races on the flat at Newbury with a 1.15 start. Seven races on the flat at Doncaster with a 1.20 start. Seven races over the champs at headquarters, Cheltenham, of course, one thirty start. Seven races over the jumps at Kelso, up in Scotland, with a one forty start. And seven races on the flat on the all-weather at Chelmsford. And on Sunday, uh, Aintree. Seven races over the jumps at Aintree with a one thirty start. One race at Limerick uh, over the jumps with a 3.35 start. And one race on the flat at the Curra, 3.45 start. Regular listeners to the show will know that we usually start off with a, a bit of an interview with somebody that we've spoken to over the last few weeks. And this week, we're going to kick off with some words with Gay Calloway. And Gay tells us how she got involved in, in horse racing right back to the very early days when she could uh, barely walk. She was on the back of a horse. 
but let her tell you the story. But let's go right back to, to, to almost to day one. Where where was home for you? Uh, home, I was born in Surrey, right. a place called Cranley. And, um, yeah, my parents were really quite poor. Um, my father was a sort of struggling jockey. My mum worked at a point-to-point yard. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we sort of humble beginnings um, most of my life, really. Um, sort of racing sort of turned it around, but... Yeah, so we and we moved to Newmarket when I was thirteen on my thirteenth birthday, believe it or not. So um, yeah, I moved to Newmarket as a youngster. Was not really that interested in horse. I was a boarding school. I had, my parents did give me a great education that I'll be forever grateful for. Mm, um, and you know, it was, though I was over in love with going to a boarding school, but you know, you learn to become quite independent. Yeah. And and sort of find your own feet really a bit and I found that I was quite good at sport at school yeah. I didn't really like much else but go, and, take, take, um, us, take us back a bit Gary, a minute. To, uh, when did you first kind of become a, aware of horses when did you first get on a horse can you remember I mean you know how old were oh, you oh well we, had, we were lucky enough to have pony. my mother had a riding school to make some extra money and oh, right. um, we moved to uh, Partridge Green in Sussex um, and um, she had a few ponies uh, that she taught kids to, to learn to ride on. Obviously, we were there to look after the ponies. There was a little Shetland pony called Mandy. Yeah. And I think I they put me on a horse before I could actually walk. <laughs> so my feet, my feet used to sit on the felt. They used to have felt saddles in those days with handles on. Yeah. And so uh, you had the stirrups, and we couldn't get my legs were so short I couldn't put my feet in the stirrups. So I put them in the leather bits where it held the stirrups up. <laughs> yeah. And no helmet, of course. No body protector, no helmet, no correct footwear. And just just was on a pony. I just could see my smiling face. That's all I loved doing. And clearly, I adored horses. I just adore animals anyway, because we had dogs. And cats yeah, yeah. And, you know, just love animals. Yeah. So you, so you, you obviously instantly started, fell in love with it then, did you? Um, I loved I, horses, yes. I fell in love. Uh, not so much racing, but horses I absolutely loved. I adored horses. Hmm. Um, not so much the riding bit, I just love being around horses. Yeah. And um, I think I missed them so much when I was um, at boarding school. But fortunately, we were allowed, they had a riding school at the sc- uh, uh, just sort of a few miles out. And we, used, we were allowed to go for riding lessons at the weekend. So I went for riding lessons and, and, I, and I really got my confidence riding uh, when, I was in, when I was sort of eight, nine years old. Um, and uh, at the weekends, we used to ride there. I used to sort of get a group of friends and get nice ponies to ride there. That's why I really learned to ride down the road from my boarding school. Yeah. Um, um, and then, basically, that that then we obviously my father was training horses at the time when we moved to Newmarket at 13. As years went on, and I was still at school, and um, I, I didn't show a lot of interest in the racing side. And I went to end up going to Cambridge College where I was studying um, graphic designing. I was a very, very quite arty when I was younger and I like I love clothes. And um, I wanted to sort of design my own clothes and get into fashion and and, um, and that sort of thing. But um, <clears throat> my dad was short staff one morning and he asked if I could ride out before I went to school on the train with my bike. And I, I said, OK, why not? And I, I was only, I think I was only 16. Yeah, and um, and I loved it. I just loved it. I thought, 
God, why haven't they done this sooner? You know, and I thought, well, so I was so keen. I went and got my. I found out you could get your amateur license to ride in a race. Right. Oh God, I didn't want riding in a race. And I had, I think I had two rides at sixteen. My dad said, I wish you'd just give up. You're bloody useless. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I was so determined. I thought, I'll show you how useless I am. So I I asked a trainer uh, called Clive Britton that was down the road. He's quite a well-known trainer, Clive Britton, at the time. Yeah, I Clive remember him well. I remember classic him. winners, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he, he used to get out really early, lots, like 5, 4.30 in the morning. And um, I asked him if I could come ride out with him before I went and rode out for father. Um, and he said, "Yeah, sure." So I did, and he gave me my first winner. Yeah, on a horse called uh, a horse called Aberfield, and um, he um, he 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 really sort of pushed my career because my dad thought. And then, of course, I rode a nice winner. I won the I won the uh, ladies amateur derby at the age of seventeen, uh, the same year that Walter Swinburne won on Shigar. Right, right. <laughs> that takes yeah. you back a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. I'll never forget Walter. I went to the Derby meeting when Walter rode the winner of the Derby, and I'd ridden the winner. Um, I think I went to no, not the. I wasn't at the Sheargar Derby. Sorry, I was a couple of days later. Sorry, I went racing, and, and Walter was there, and he came up and said, "Oh, he said, well done, Gareth. I said, God, well done to you. What a horse!" Yeah. And we got chatting, you know, and um, and I never dreamt of becoming a, a, a professional. So. I rode a few winners. I was runner-up in the championship behind uh, Stan Miller's wife, Elaine. Yeah. And um, and then the following year, I was determined to win it, so I was obsessed with it. So I wanted to get fitter, and and I started doing a bit in the yard. I started working in the yard, then, <laughs> and I sort of dropped out of my college. And I was so into getting into race riding that I thought I want to be a champion amateur. And I was the I'm still to this day the champ, youngest champ, champion amateur lady rider at 18. That's incredible. Right, well, it's time now to get in touch with our regular trainers and jockeys that join us on the show each week. And we're going to start off with a quick trip out to Melbourne Port to speak to Joe Tizard. Well, Joe, nice to see you again. Um, been a bit of a sort of stop-start sort of start of the season, really, hasn't it, with the weather being the way it is and that? Yeah, the weather's the main nightmare. Um, you know, we've, we've only run four wind horses so far and... Um, just, just having to be patient. Normally by now we're we're in full steam ahead, but um, just been a particularly dry summer and a, and a and a dry dry September and start of October. But it just feels like it's turning a bit now. You know, we're getting yeah. a drop of rain. There's a bit more in the forecast, so yeah. um, just trying to make some big entries really. And so you know, I mean, how, when do you reckon to be? You know, starting as it were now. I mean, look I at it. It's Monday today. I mean, he, yeah, this I week think or next. No, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be the first week in November before it, yeah. before it really happens. I got three entered at Cheltenham this weekend, and um, I think when Canton will still struggle on Sunday, unless there's a lot of rain suddenly develops in the forecast, um, and then next week. We might travel up north for a couple of days, but but the main of it is, um, you know, Taunton's going to be quick rain next Thursday, and and then um, so the week after that is when we get to like the the Holden Gold Cup and the Badger Beer, fifth yeah. and sixth of yeah. I think it's the fifth and sixth of or the fourth and fifth of um, of of November, and then it, then hopefully we'll have had the rain by then. It'll really take off. But with the exception, obviously, of the weather, I mean, has your sort of build-up been the way you'd expect it to be, the way you want it to be? Yeah, the build-up's been good, and you know, a couple of a couple of winter horses were both 
first run to a second at Newton Abbott at the weekend. Both ran really nice races. So yeah. fitness seems to be about right where we want it this year. So um, as soon as we got the ground, we're, we'll be full steam ahead. We'll be, we'll be going. But, you know, just three weeks from Chepstow is like, it's, it backs everybody up. So, you know, like the novice hurdles are going to yeah. be absolutely packed. And then you've got ballot marks and things to worry about. But um, same for everybody. Yeah, that's right. It is, and uh, you know you've got to make the best of it, I guess. But it's uh, it's been a frustrating time for everybody, hasn't it? Really. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, well, nothing anybody can do about it. That's the thing. You've just got to be patient. The worst thing you can do is run horses, and then yeah, and then and then give them slight injuries or whatever, and then think all wish you hadn't all winter. So we've just we've we've learnt our lesson in the past, and we've just got to be patient there. So if you were um, William Haggis, would you have run by Eid on Saturday? <laughs> I've no idea. It's um. <laughs> I said it's bloody good also shame he, shame he went out yeah. like he did I don't know if uh, I've only watched it sort of when I was at Newton Abbott but um, I don't think that's going to affect the horse too much they all have an off day no, I suppose so and I don't expect it to affect the price of his coverings anyway I wouldn't make any difference at all he's been a bloody good horse and he yeah. so, um, they obviously thought they had him in, in rude health and you have to take you have to, that's what you have to do yeah no that's right that's right but looking, looking forward to the, you know, the season that's upon us um, give me five to follow from the Tizard Yard five to follow oh, put that on me um, JPR one yeah uh, wider galley two lovely horses going novice chasing this year um, both winners over hurdles last year um, I think I think uh, a lovely young filly would be I love the nightlife who um who was placed in a couple of bumpers um she, she's really grown through the summer and could be anything um a nice old handicapper I, I certainly haven't given up on the big breakaway I think he's a um I think he's a well handicapped horse who you know just had little training issues with him last year that we that we've got on top of this year so I'm expecting to get him back on the back on the road properly um and well, Oscar's elite. He was. He's been placed at two Tottenham festivals, and expected him to to still be well handicapped over one three nine. You know, he'll have one run before he goes to the to the Coral Gold Cup, which was the what was the Hennessy. So, um, you know, that's a meeting we're gonna have a, a strong team at if everything stays as it is, and you know, looking forward to him and something like that. And uh, what about Lost in Translation? I mean, is it a different sort of campaign for him now that he's getting on a little bit? He is going to be campaigned over the big fences. He, he ran really well in the Grand National for a long, long way. Um, he's probably he's probably his first call will be fifth of November in the in the Sefton at Aintree. Um, which is over the big fences and then if that goes to plan there's a month later there's a beacher um, and then have a look at the top um, when we're in another Grand National we're just aiming for, for the shorter distance so two mile five over these big fences should be perfect for him so like the top of it, it entry he'll probably only have three or four runs this season there's a ten year old there's one more that his name escapes me big one Fiddler on the Roof that's it yeah yeah Fiddler on the Roof is um, he's going to be aimed at the Coral Gold Cup again as well um, I'll probably run him in attempts handicap hurdle at Aintree on the 5th as a, as a warm up and then ultimately the Grand National again the back end of, of next season um, you 
know, he, he was he was second in the second in the Labrooks Trophy and, and fifth in the national last year. So he's only five pound higher. There's no reason why he can't be really competitive again. He hasn't got anything to prove to you, has he? No, certainly not. But I also think that he hasn't won a, a big big pot yet, and there is one in him. Yeah. So um. So hopefully he'll he'll get his day. I mean, we're, we're aiming him at the most competitive handicaps, and he's not far away. So um, I, I think there's a big one in him. And how about you? I mean, you, this is your first uh, start of your first full season, I suppose. Um, how are you finding it? Uh, not too much has changed, to be honest. It's um, you know, ultimately the the buck stops with me. But but you know, we're still the businesses are still in a big family partnership with, with dad and that. And you know, he's he's about every morning. Um, it just takes the pressure off him a little bit. He doesn't have to answer the phone and and that. But um, he's involved with all the decisions. So it's not like I'm, it's not like it's a huge shock to to no. me what's happening. You know, I've been dealing with it for the last few years anyway. Um, I'm part of it, so so I. It's not come as a shock, but you know we've had a fantastic summer. Yeah. Got a good team of horses for the winter, and um, and we'll try and try and try and win plenty of big races. And talking to Colin, how is he? He's good. He's yeah. really well. Yeah, he's um. He's loving life, you know. He's he's going to Exeter tomorrow. He's got we got Freddie riding riding one of our horses that he owns down at Exeter tomorrow. So he's off racing tomorrow. And um, yeah, yeah, he's 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 loving life. I think. Well, it must be nice to see another, uh, you know, member of the family, you know, getting to the the heights of the of the industry now, isn't it? Well, Fred's Fred's had a lovely time. He had his first ride as a professional on Saturday at Newton Abbott for Paul Nichols, and um, you know, he's he's only sixteen. He's got a long way to go but he's um he's, he's got a little, well, hopefully he's got a lovely future in front of him yeah I presume he'll have quite a few rides for Nichols you know as a conditional well yeah, he's only 16 so I think Paul will look after him a bit as well and, and yeah. just pick and choose his way and use his use his seven pound claim where he can and um and, and just sort of let Freddie learn on the job and I, I sort of said to him it's alright for him to ride he doesn't want his seven, to rush for a seven pound claim but you know he's, he's more than he's, he's allowed to ride granddad's horses and, and a few for us as well and yeah. you know, as long as they're good safe horses that he can learn a bit on then um, then that's perfect Is he still at school or has he finished school? No he's finished school he's working at yeah. Paul's full time yeah. um, you know part of that is being a conditional is you have to continue your education until you're yeah. 18 and, and that's all done through the through the like the, the employment like the the, the racing school so yeah, yeah. that's all happening good well best of luck for the season thank you I'm sure we'll catch up with you again fairly quickly what with all the big races coming along so it'll be nice to talk to you before some of them so thanks for talking to us today and keep in touch what a lovely job thank you apologies for the poor sound quality on that interview with Joe Tizza but hopefully you could hear most of what he said well, from Joe Tizard in Melbourne Port, we now travel down towards Colopton and catch up with Rod Melbourne. Well, Rod, first of all, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show again. Um, you've had a busy couple of weeks at the sales. Um, any any interesting purchases? Yes, well, we've just um, I bought three last week at um, Newmarket. Um, yeah. Some all three nice fillies um, for existing owners or one new owner and. Um, so looking forward to them. And we've just bought a horse in France to that today. All right, yeah. And we bought uh, a city light today in France from Midland Park. Yeah, okay. So um, that'll, that'll be coming back to the yard in the next few days, hopefully. Yeah, 
yeah obviously all all, all desire for, you know aim for next next season they're not not going to go up this season are they no they're all year and they've got to take bring them home and break, break them in and turn them into resources yeah yeah absolutely and um, there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you, actually, as an ex-jockey, and uh, they're, they're a little bit old old hat now, and it's a couple of weeks ago now, but nonetheless, I'm going to ask you. Um, first of all, what did you think about the Christophe Simeon situation with um, where poor old um, uh, Ross Ryan, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Ross Ryan. Well, yes, that's right. Well, yes, I mean, Ross <laughs> Simeon uh, elbowed Ross Ryan over the, over, over the plate at, yeah. um, in France. Yeah. Now... It looked really bad. Basically, I don't think he didn't intend for him to fall off. I think Russell wasn't expecting anything. He lost his balance and came out the side door. Yeah. And it was a nasty fall. Mm. And um, obviously, Christoph shouldn't have done it. But I've seen far worse in my career, I can tell you. Yeah, <laughs> years ago. yeah, yeah. But I mean, do you think the, the uh, punishment fits the crime? Um, yes, it does, really, because it looked bad on television. Yeah. And, um, and, and Russell could have had a very serious accident. Yeah. Could have had a very serious accident. Because they were motoring and then, weren't they, at that particular point? They were. Well, it caught him unawares, and he, he landed on his head and did a somersault on his... And it was a nasty fall, and it was bad. Yeah. But the trouble is, what's been happening over the last few years, especially, is our country, in this country, has become very lax on interference rules. Yeah. The, the rider can cause interference and still keep the race. Now... I spent the next question to ask me, what do I think of Holly Doyle in, in last week's championship races? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was very bad. Yeah. Um, now, what she, the manoeuvre she did, certainly one of the race, and Holly is one of the bravest little jockeys you'll get. Mm. But it, if David, it could easily have brought David Talbot down. Yeah. And that, that, for me, was every bit as bad as the uh, Christos. Just kind of not so spectacular in the sense of the. No, it wasn't. Uh, but it yeah. was a massive, and and the manoeuvre won of the race without doubt. Yeah. Because it put all of a sudden it put David out of rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. Quite. Now she 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 was determined to get that position. Now, Holly's got has got well she's got more nerve than most of the other jockeys. She rides. She's a very brave little rider. A brilliant little jockey. Yeah. But yeah. I thought I thought it it was bending the rules a little bit, um, and. Obviously, since the Briony Frost case, the jockeys have been frightened to voice their opinions. Mm. Yeah, quite. And, and in the old, when I was riding in the old days, if you did a manoeuvre like that, the other jockey would have had a go at you in the way, and when you did it again, you'd have probably gone over the rails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite. You know, quite. Yeah. The, the way in the was ruled by the, it was uh, policed by the jockeys, and yeah. um, and I'm I'm not sure if it's not the best way to do it. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. Then again, I'm in my sixties, and the world's a different place nowadays. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it is. That's right. And the other thing I was going to ask you, which surprised me, but I think I've found out the answer now. But we'll see if you can confirm it. Um, I noticed that um, you had Rex Dingle riding a, uh, in a race for you, and uh, he's normally a jump jockey. I, I assume that that was a uh, you know a special race on the flat for jump jockey. Ah, right, that's what I thought. Special jump jockey's race, it was. Yeah, I wondered oh, about you that. You could only, only ride in it if you were a jump jockey. Yeah, no, that's okay without well, explaining it. I just sort of thought, well, that's strange, what's going on there sort of thing, you know. Yeah, that no, was uh, a jump jockey's race. Yeah. Um, so, uh, moving forward, Rod, right. um, you've got a few, uh, three or four over the weekend. What, what, what chances have they got? 
Um, well, we've got Demand of Day. He's a young horse having his second race. Um, he, his long term, he would be a handicap over over mile and a quarter, mile and a half plus. So um, he's he's having races bring him on. Um, no secret there. You know, young horses need to have their first three runs get a handicap mark and to become competitive yeah. because. You know, there's no, no chance of winning a race like that, I'm afraid. Right. And then you've and also then, got Tagline and uh, Prince of Horridge. Well, Pride of Horridge. He goes Pride of Horridge. A mile and a half amateur riders race at uh, Newbury on Saturday. Yeah. Um, he hasn't gone this far before, but he won last over a mile and a quarter. And it's amateur riders race and Patrick Ride, my son. Well, and you'd expect a bold show in, in that race. He's been going well at your son, though, hasn't he? He's had a few winners this season. Yeah, well, he only rides amateur races on the flat, and yeah. he's a bit too heavy to be a professional. Yeah. But he does a good job. He's been, you know, he's he's one of the one of the one of the more experienced amateurs riding, and he's well worth his well worth putting up. Yeah, and and tagline. Well, tagline. She's had a great season. She's won her maiden. Uh, she's won a bonus race, twenty thousand pound bonus. She's been placed in a group race. Um, it's her last run for me she, as she's off to the sales yeah. on Tuesday yeah. and um, she's got the valuable black type and she should make a very valuable brood mare in, yeah. in a later career and then on Monday you've got Madame Pickle and Four a Day what about those two? Uh, well Four a Day she's been unlucky she, she's had a sinus infection midway through the season she's lost the season really yeah. so she's come back she should run a good race uh-huh. um, she's, she'd be fancied yeah. and Madame Pickle She's now handicapped, um, and she should start winning soon. I mean, you know, the horses have, have dropped off in form a little bit, but then you had a winner yesterday, which obviously bucked everybody up, I assume. Yeah, we went all the way to Yarmouth yesterday. Yeah. Um, but don't forget, I've run my horses like we've had 100, 250 runners this year plus. Yeah, yeah. And um, well, I, one bit of news, I did win, I don't know if you remember, Safari Dream got disqualified as Sandown on the Sunday. Yes, yeah. And um, we won the appeal last week. Oh, that was good. So that's good. So that's yeah. not a winner anyway. So we won 40 winners for the season, which is a second best year ever. Is it? Oh, well, that's good then. But but not many more to go now, though, is it? No, no. We've only got a handful left to run now. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, do you feel that, that sort of some of them are just going over a little bit now? Oh, yes, without a doubt. Without yeah. doubt. And I'd be disappointed if they weren't. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're resources, and you try and get the most out of them every year. And if they're still full of themselves at the end of the season, you probably could have done more with them in the middle of the season. Yeah, yeah, quite. But as you said, you've often said to me, that, you know, there's no point in having a racehorse and they're not racing it. I mean, it's, that's what people buy it for, isn't it? It's to, you know, to get the enjoyment from it. Well, you know, we try and give our owners. We, we've run with 63% of our horses this year, which is quite high. Yeah, yeah. OK, then, Rod, well, thanks for that. Um, I hope you, don't, hope you don't have to wait too long for the doctors I to come back to you. I'll be soon for that Mr <laughs> Tizard in the road. <laughs> Quite well. Funny enough, I was over over to see him yesterday. So uh, yeah. yeah, so they're getting. But I mean, they've had a stop start with the bit weather and there's no no rain. Yeah, I know. Well, I I was going to run a horse Exeter yesterday and it was too firm to run it, which yeah. is a shame. Yeah, no, it's. it's but I'm it's, sure it will rain. It always does at some time of the year. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, Rob. Well, we'll speak to you again All next right. week before we, we we sort of pack up for the season anyway. Okay. Okay. Well, good luck for everyone. Yeah. Thank fa- you, everyone. Thank bye-bye. you, Rob. Cheers, then. Bye, bye. Well, that was Rod Melman. Now we're going to catch up with the man of the moment. Jamie Snowden is on one hell of a run. Six winners in five days. That can't be bad. So let's hear what Jamie's got to say and what he puts it all down to. Right, good afternoon, Jamie. What a successful little spell you're going through. Hi, afternoon, Eddie. Yeah, it's um, one of those incredible runs, isn't it? They're like they're like buses, and um, yeah, long may it continue. Well, absolutely, but... Uh, let, let, let's just go. I mean, I'm just looking looking at the the records now. From from we say the 15th of October, you had a, a winner with Kiltilly Briggs. Then you had a third. Then you had a second. 
Then you had a first, a first, a first, and a first. I mean, that's that's bloody good going, isn't it? Uh, and another first, isn't it? I don't know, I can't remember, yeah. Um, I might have missed um, one. I don't know if you had another one this afternoon. I've got Roger Paul on this one. Is there another one? Yeah, we just had a, Yeah, we just had another one, yeah. Oh, bloody heck. That's five then. Good God. Well, I wish I'd backed six, them all. Six, six, <laughs> six in five days, yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, what do you put it down to? I mean, it's not just luck, surely. I mean, I know you're a modest chap, but I mean, it's not just luck. This is This is quality training, surely. Well, they're, 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 we're very lucky. We've got lovely horses. We've got lovely owners, um, good jockeys, riding well, um, fit, healthy horses. And, and yeah, thankfully, they're, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Oh. Yeah, long may continue. Absolutely. But, I mean, uh, just just look at them. Um, Ebonello, I mean, uh, you know, just, just go through a, a, a good, easy win. Yeah, so the first Kiltilly Briggs, he, he, won a, he won a very good race up at, up at Market Raisins. Yeah. Um, that was a that was a valuable race, so that was wonderful. And then and then, um, that's right. Gino was beating a beating a neck on his first run over, over fences. That was that was great. Yeah. Um, Legends Legends ride, lovely comeback run, and in the intermediate chase, valuable intermediate chase, finished third. Um, and then Evanello um, running for the running in the Queen's Queen Consort's colours for the Ebony Horse Club. That was a very oh. proud moment. Yeah, um, I bet. Yeah. He won. Yeah. Um, uh, won a handicap. Down at Plumpton. Um, then Braveheart won a won a, um, a a novice handicap chase at Exeter yesterday. He runs my old regiment, the Cherry Pickers. Yeah. And then we had two today. Roger Pole first time out in a bumper, and and he won a one first time out over hurdles. So uh, yeah, it's been an incredible run. Absolutely. Um, and was Camilla up the uh, the racing on uh, when when Ebenella won? No, no, unfortunately not. No, she wasn't oh. there. That's a pretty anyway. But I mean, you still, you know, you've done the job. That's what it's all about. But just so looking at this this run, I mean, one one's hesitant to sort of say, well, will it carry on? Because I suppose everything sort of has to stop occasionally. But you got you got Pisco Pike tomorrow. Uh, good chance. Uh, we got between the waters and um, and, and uh, yeah, and um, a lovely, lovely, lovely little horse. Um, it's one a bumper and a and a and a, and a novice hurdle in. in um, Running with a penalty tomorrow at Ludlow, and then Pisco Pike on Friday, and then maybe uh, at Cheltenham, and then uh, two maybe at Aintree on Sunday in a Grade Two. Yeah, Garlow is that like a good chance? Garlow, yeah, he's been off the track for a long time, but he's a very good horse. Um, so yeah, he'll, he'll he'll run there, and I think Sort of Destiny will probably go too. Well, all I can say is best of luck, Jamie. I mean, if they can keep going at this rate, I mean, this is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I mean, yeah. have you ever had a spell like this before? Uh, I think we've had four four in a row before, but um, yeah, not quite like this. Yeah, this, yeah, long may long may it continue. Yeah, um, well, I think there'll be a few bottles of champagne flying about when you get home tonight, then, won't it? Yeah, we'll certainly try and enjoy it anyway. Yeah, good. Well, thanks for coming on the show again. I mean, you must be very busy rushing around and all that, but uh, we appreciate having you on. But, you know, let's hope we can bring you some more luck. Yeah, thanks, I uh, Appreciate it, Jamie. Speak to you next week, OK? Take care. All the best. And you, sir. And Take it easy. Bye-bye for now. Now we're going to catch up with one of the jockeys who's been helping Mr Snowden to reach these uh, wonderful uh, race victories. It's Mr Gavin Sheehan. 
Okay, Gavin, well, thanks very much for joining us on the show. Um, you and Jamie seem to be having a little bit of a purple patch at the moment, a winner again today. It's all going rather well, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's going very well, thank God. Um, Osha seems to be in very good form. Jimmy and his staff are doing a very good job. I mean, to get four winners on the trot like that, that's 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 quite something, isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah. yeah. Um, even five, is it? It might be and five. Probably, to, I don't know. According yeah, to yeah, um, the, the horse are good for him. Um, he's putting he's putting him in the right races, but he, you're kind of getting them winter horses out now as well, and um, everybody seems to be wanting a bit softer ground. But um, you know, there, there is a few horses that still kind of going a bit better ground, and yeah. it's nice to see him out because it's the, that time of year where everybody gets excited, isn't it? Yeah, talking talking to Mister Snowden, he's actually on the other line now, ringing. So. Uh, I should be speaking to him in a minute, but um, just just moving on to your run, runners over the weekend or Saturday, uh, Friday and Sunday, um, starting with the wounded knee, that's something I've got. Um, uh, what chance do you think? Um, he seems to be a bit of an improver. Um, I think you know it, it, it's obviously not novice, but a competitive novice, but he seems a, a straightforward enough horse. I actually went up to Midland the other day, yesterday to ride him, and um, he's done a piece of work up there, but he's in good form. Um, you know, I, I have no real problems with the track and everything else. Um, competitive race like that, who knows, but he's there, he, he, he goes there in good form, and um, hopefully he'll have a good chance. Okay, and then uh, we've also got uh, Glenn Truen at Cheltenham. Yeah, so I um, had a sitting in uh, a couple of months back at Carlisle, but he's in very good form. He worked there yesterday as well, and um, it, uh, ho hopefully he could be off a kind of nice enough mark. Um, he doesn't have too much weight in his back, and I'd imagine Cheltenham could suit him. So uh, hopefully, yeah, yeah, um, Paddy Neville um, and Duffy's horses are in good form, so hopefully. Another good one then. And then on Sunday, you've also got one up at Aindry. Um, oh no, don't take me home. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's a horse that I rode for Andrew Brooks twice last year. And uh, Joe Quinton trained, trained a bit there for um, alongside with Paddy, uh, Pat Murphy. Yeah. Um, you probably know well. Um, but he, he's a nice horse. He's touch wood, he's jumping everything. He's been quite good. He's been working well. And he seems like he's in a good place. Um, they do a very good job um, with the horses. And I sat in there last week and he, he, he felt good. Um, but he's a youngster having his first run over and so it'd be um, very much a case of a, a good experience for him. Yeah. So tell me, I mean, you've got, you got uh, Cheltenham and, and, and Aintree, two of the biggest courses in the country. Which of those two do you prefer? I prefer the tracks where I ride winners. <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't bother me to be honest with you. Aintree's a lovely, straightforward track to ride around. Yeah. Um, you've got a long straight there, so you've got plenty to climb up the straight if you've got a horse good enough. Um, you have to put three, three fences up the straight, um, and there's a long run between the second last and the last over fences. Um, but you, you've got loads of time uh, around there, then up the straight. But, but I love Aintree because it, it gives you that buzz of the national. Yeah. Um, I, I love riding over the national fences. Yeah. You know, they're, 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 they're obviously not what they used to be, um, but they're still good and they 
and just give you that buzz. But Cheltenham, at the same time, is where everybody wants to be. Um, everybody wants Cheltenham horses. Everybody wants Cheltenham runners. Um, everybody will be watching Cheltenham at the weekend. Um, Cheltenham's not your straightforward track to ride. It's very undulating. Um, and it can ride quite sharp as well at times. Um, but yeah, look, they, they do a good job at both meetings. And it's, they're, they're, they're the places where I'd like to be riding, and I am riding, so that's great. Okay, well, look, thanks for that, uh, uh, Gavin. As uh, I wish you all the worst, uh, the best over the uh, the next couple of days, and let's hope you've got a few winners there as well to add to the score. But uh, just keep it going because it's going really well at the moment. Yeah, no, thanks very much. No, well, thanks. Thank th- thanks for coming on the show. We do appreciate, it. and I'll give you a call away, uh, again next week if that's okay. Yeah, lovely job, look forward to it. Lovely, thanks, Gavin. You're a star. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Lovely, thank you. Bye, bye, bye. Well, that was Gavin Sheehan, who's having a, a bit of a purple patch, along with J.B. Snowden, because, of course, he rides for him. So, next up, we should be catching up with Richard Phillips. Right, good afternoon, Richard. Thank you very much for joining us on the show. Uh, the Futurity at Doncaster today, or Saturday, is a big race, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Always a great race. Um, a proper two-year-old Group 1, where often the winner or horses placed in the race go on to do very well in classics the following year, especially in derbies, etc. So we've got a great uh, running of it. We've got the favourite is Orcus Rodin, is uh, the horse, what a group two in Ireland for, as ever, uh, Aidan O'Brien. Uh, and Ryan Moore rides, and this horse looks a very promising type, but it's been a pretty short favourite. The second favourite is Epictacus, uh, a horse of John Gonsons, who came second in the Tattersalls uh, two-year-old race recently, uh, been a neck, having been very impressed with his first run. He looks like a horse that's got a real future, so I always think he's got a real chance as well. But the favourite looks looks a proper horse, and it looks like the Valley Door selection, so you have to take that one very seriously. Now, I know obviously we're reaching the end of the road almost with the flat racing season. Is there any other big races this after, uh, on Saturday that uh, catch your eye? Yeah, well, there's, there's Newbury as well. We've got the Horace Hill there, uh, and the Simon Stakes in the St. Simon Stakes, but Hamish running for the Haggis camp. Uh, we had a disappointment by Eid, obviously, at the weekend, but I think the ground did it for him. But Hamish would love that sort of ground, so he's in at uh, Newbury in the St. Simon. He have a great chance, but again, a short price favourite. And the Horace Hill, that looks an open race, but uh, Godolphin have got a runner in there and a few others, but I would have thought it was the greatest addition of the Horace Hill. I think more likely the uh, Virgin Futurity be the one that produces the classic horses. But um, And of course, uh, jumping um, starts tomorrow and Saturday, so Friday and Saturday racing. And we've got, uh, I've got a runner myself in the 205, a three mile one handicap chase in Organdy, but uh, the racing over jumps is finally getting to the top of the game now and the beginning of October always sees a fair few um, um, good races coming up and November certainly kicks off so yeah, the jump racing season just about to take over from the flat one but still a fair few nice races on the flat to be seen as well Yeah, Look, Looking back on the season as a whole um, Richard, I mean, what do you make of it? Has it been a good season, a bad season? Oh, I think it's been a good one. Uh, I think we've seen some great racing. Uh, Bay obviously has been the star horse. Um, there's been sort of some great sort of classic winners as well. I think the classic horses. I think um, the Derby winner was very impressive. The Outs. I think obviously the Oaks winner Tuesday was pretty good as well. But 
I think it's been a really good, good year for good horses. And um, I think that um, there's been many super races, but Baid has been a standout. I know he got beaten the other day, but uh, I'm sure it was the ground. And I think once um, um, once you look back at it with, with your eyes wide open, you realise that Baid was one of the greats, really. Yeah. Um, looking at, at the jump season, as you say, which is just about to start, we've got Cheltenham, um, Aintree on Sunday, I think. Um, anything that catches your eye there? Well, at Aintree, we had a horse in there as well, um, in the veterans' chase, as it were. But um, I think, you know, Cheltenham, the October meeting, the ground's going to be actually good. So I don't think a lot of the, the really good horses will be running because the ground really, I think this is the big issue, the ground really isn't, um, got a, you know, it, it's still good. It's not going to... Uh, cutting it yet for the good horses to be coming out so the rains are beginning to happen and the more rain we get the better because the better horses will be coming out but the ground still good good to firm in places and in some of these courses and that's just danger territory for some of the better horses they just might get injured on such ground so it hasn't really kicked off and i don't think it's going to be uh, a great weekend for having superstars coming out but it won't be long now now the rains are coming that gradually through november we'll be starting seeing some of the real good ones and uh, there's hell of, hell of a lot of good horses to come out, including Constitution Hill, which is the one they're all talking about. Nicky Henderson's incredibly impressive novice, and I think Constitution Hill is an exciting horse. It's good at a horse we've seen uh, over jumps for quite a while, so I think all eyes will be on him. What was the name of the one you've got running? Organdy. She runs. She won last time out at Warwick. Uh, she'll like the ground, and she's ridden by Adam Wedge. She's a, a very good jump jockey who started his career with us. Uh, in Adelstrop, so um, we've followed his career closely, he's turned into a great jockey and he rides for us on Saturday and hopefully she'll go well. Good, okay Richard, well thank you very much for that and um, we'll look forward to catching up with you next week which presumably is going to be more jump racing in orientated than flat then. Absolutely, so hopefully a lot of exciting jump racing coming up including Weatherby and so that. So if we do get the old soft ground that these good horses need then I think we've got some exciting weeks ahead. Great. Okay then, Richard, thank you very much for that. Have a good weekend and we'll speak to you soon. No problem. Thanks, Adrian. Cheers. Thank you. Well, that was Richard Phillips, who's got a runner on Saturday at Cheltenham, so we'll all be keeping an eye on that one, that's for certain. But uh, now it's time to catch up with Dave Wilson at Harlequin Racing. Well, good afternoon, Dave. Thanks for joining us on the show. What have you got for us on the old Lucky 15 this week? We've got uh, four coming up for Cheltenham for you, mate. Uh, we've got £2.93 in credit for the injured jockeys front at the moment. We had another winning week last week with the bet, but again, it was destroyed by the amount of non-runners and uh, horses that we had at a nice price ended up uh, one to four shots and stupid things like that. So uh, we didn't make much profit. But we've got a nice weekend ahead. Uh, unfortunately, Wing Canton's been abandoned because of the firm going. I know it sounds a bit ridiculous with uh, rain that's coming down. We shall see. And uh, as I say, we've got four for Cheltenham for you this week, and uh, we'll go with them. Okay, fire away then, sir. Uh, The first one we've got for you at Cheltenham is in the 130, and it's St. Palais. Going to be ridden by local jockey Brendan Powell and trained by Richard Bandy. Uh, Rich Bandy's got a good strike rate at the moment. His last 10 runners have produced four winners, so the stable's in form. And St. Palais 
He only got beat once last season. He had five runs, uh, four wins, and he got beaten in the Townsend Novice Chase up at Weatherby by none other than a Hoy Senor. So obviously he's got some very, very good chase form from last season, but he's reverting back to a hurdles race, but he's never won over hurdles at the moment. Uh, the thing that we looked at was he's, he's rated £14 higher than all his rivals, and all bar two of them have got to give him a £5 uh, weight allowance as well. So uh, it looks like the handicap slip of the weekend uh, in the weight. So he's our starter in the lucky 15, the 130 Saint Okay, fine. Moving down to the 240, a uh, rematch of the entry dead heat between Pied Piper and Knight Salute of Milton Harris's. Uh, obviously, the two of them had a little bump as they jumped over the last hurdle at Aintree, and uh, Paddy Brennan went into the stewards' room and said that it didn't affect the result of the race, but the stewards decided it did affect the result, and uh, they threw Pied Piper out. Uh, Pied Piper is going to be our selection in the race. He's ridden by Jack Kennedy and Gordon Elliott. He's priced up at around about 11 to 10 at the moment. He uh, previously won a very good race at Punchestown, then he absolutely dotted up at Cheltenham, and then he came third in the Triumph Hurdle. And then, uh, as I say, he had that dead heat incident with uh, Knight Salute, who he's reopposing today up at Aintree. So uh, the thing we noticed is a few of Milton's horses haven't really performed great in the last uh, week or so, but up until then it had a very good strike rate this year so we're definitely siding up with Pied Piper in this one and uh, another fact that we liked about Pied Piper is he had a run at Royal, a Royal Ascot in June and uh, he was only beaten three and three quarters by Cold Train who won a very big race last weekend when he only just got beaten by Trushan of Alan Kings in the big race at Ascot there, so uh, we're going with Pied Piper in the four, in the 240 race there. OK, fine. Moving down to the third leg of the Lucky 15, it's going to be in the 315 at Cheltenham, and it's clear of a runway. Uh, Laura Morgan's horse uh, going to be ridden by Adam Wedge. Uh, this fella's had 10... Well, his last 10 runs, he's won seven of them and been second twice and been third once. And he's gone from a 98 handicapper all the way up to 142. He's risen 44 pounds in the handicap, which is unheard of, really. Now, what we've also noted is last time out, he's running off a handicap mark of 135. And he beat a horse 10 lengths called Elios Dior. Uh, next time out, Elios Dior come out and won. And then that came second on Wednesday up at Worcester to a very nice horse of Chris Gordon's called Only Money in a big class three race up there. So obviously the forms ranked nicely for clear of a runway, and I think he'll uh, run very well. Adam, we Adam Wedge has won on him six times, and uh, he's priced up at three to one with Corals, and I think he's a nice bet at that price. So that's the 315 at Cheltenham clear of a runway. Okay, fine. Down to the last leg, uh, the 350 race, and the horse is called Antelia. Uh, John Joe O'Neill Jr. rides for John Joe O'Neill Sr. Uh, this is a horse I think is going to turn into a very, very nice horse this year. Again, his last 10 runs, he's won seven of them, been second twice, and he had an unseat on his uh, other one. And what we've noted is, Marie's Rock, she won the Mayor's Hurdle at the Cheltenham Festival and she won the Mayor's Hurdle at Punchestown. And Antelia runs seven lengths behind her when he was second to her. 
and he's only running off of a handicap mark of 137, which I think is very lenient for that sort of form. He's priced up at the moment 17 to 2 with William Hills, and they're paying six places each way on the race. And he's going to get a massive bash off for of me on that price, so uh, especially with six places on offer. So that's the fourth leg of our uh, bet. There is the 350 Antalya of the John Joe O'Neill team. Excellent, thank you, Dave. We'll speak to you next week then. Well, that was Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing, trying to get his lucky 15s actually working, but with all the non-runners and racing getting postponed, it's not easy. Anyway, now it's time to catch up with. The Happy Traveller, Mr. Colin Brown, and would you believe it, he's off again. He's going to Holland now. Talk about, I mean, you know, he must be getting loads of air miles. That's all I can think. Anyway, here he is. Well, good afternoon, Colin. Just how many air miles have you actually got? <laughs> Quite a few, haven't I? Well, Quite I would have thought few. so. I had, had a good weekend. Uh, my son's wedding in Ibiza and uh, got back, did a day's work, and then I had to miss... Another three oh. days' work because my lovely wife has uh, got plans for um, her uh, little dog out in a race or, or a course out in um, in the Netherlands. That's where I'm off the middle of the night. Get a ferry over to to, to uh, Hooker Holland. Well, so yeah, keep watch, them going, you know. Keep watch going. watch out for the Mi Amigos. You're going across the uh, the, the North Sea there because. Uh, it sunk, but the uh, the aerial used to be sticking up out of this out of the sea. I don't know if it still is or not, though, but there you go. The aerial? What are you on about? What's the aerial well, uh, pirate, pirate radio ship that sunk. Oh, 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 oh really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, go, yeah. I'm going back. Yeah, a, I'm yeah. going back a few yeah. years, but you did, yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, well, we're, we are the hey, station for the pirate radios, you see. Anyway, enough of this chit-chat. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's have some horses. Yeah. Come on, let's have some horses. Okay, Let's start up the north at Kelso. All right. Uh, was on the border, isn't it, Kelso? Yeah. And uh, in the 248 at Kelso, we're going to start with a horse uh, trained by Kim Daly. And um, he's not the easiest horse, but he's pretty talented. And uh, he won first time out last year very well at Chepstow. And he's called Does He Know? And uh, he's he's pretty smart. He's quite highly rated, rated about 100 and. 52, I think, but um, he's pretty good, and he takes on some decent horses, you have to say, in uh, A. Wright, or uh, and horses like Derasha Counter, but I think he'll run well, it's called Does He Know, in the 248, Kelso. Okay, next. Um, oh, next please, okay, here we go, next please, I think the next winner, it's quite... Um, it's, it's not the strongest of handicap hurdles. And it's a local horse, and it's trained by Lucinda Russell. It's called Bolin Gerard Krug. Um, and uh, Bolin Gerard Krug, number five, in the 323. So that's the next uh, horse that I think can win up there uh, over the jumps. All righty, We'll then move down to Doncaster, have a look at a look at the flat. Some uh, good racing here <clears throat> Doncaster, of course. We've got a, a handicap, then a nursery, another handicap. And then we've got the uh, listed racer over six furlongs, which looks quite a competitive little race. And George Bowie's horses are going well. 
Um, Frankie's riding one there for the Gosdens. A uh, bit of an improver come over from uh, Aidan O'Brien's yard. Um, Hispanic and Airsop's Fables that um, is ridden by, uh, what's his name, Ryan Moore. And I suppose that should probably win, um, I would say. But, do you know what, sometimes you get the odd horse that's just a little bit special that's, um, you know, just had one run and won. Um, and I'm going to take a chance on him because he's a big price. He's trained by Henry Candy. Um, and he's around about 10 to 1 pro, but rides him. Henry wouldn't have many first-time-out winners, and this one first-time-out, so I'm going to say that it's probably quite smart. So for me, number eight, simple man. Number eight, an each way bet, about 10 to 1 at Doncaster in the 335. Okay. Now we got the Vert and Futurity Stakes, a group one race, and it's a really good race. You've got horses like uh, Picatus running in the race, and Frankie rides that just beat it. You mark it a neck by Silver Knot. That was in the Autumn Stakes Group 3 the other day. And you've got horses like Auguste Rodin that uh, Ryan Moore rides for um, Aidan Brown. Storm Buster, who came good the other day, King of Steel, that uh, I know, what's his name, um, uh, Lot Name thinks an awful lot of, and that's a, you know, for a horse, he cost $200,000, um, they've really upped him from a window main straight into a group one, so he's really in at the deep end, but I would expect the O'Brien horse to win at really August, Rod Rodin. Um, he was pretty good at Leperstown last time out, time before he won at Nace, beaten at the Kerr first time. You know, he's very well bred out that really good mare, Rhododendron, who was by Galileo. So, for me, August Rhodin to win the 335 at Donny. And, of course, we've got the big jumping meeting from, Sand from um, Tottenham this weekend as well. So, there's plenty of good racing for the listeners to, um, you know, take in and have a good look at and get, uh, get involved with. Um, have we got another bet at Donny? I'm not sure we do. I'm just on a little double check up from the neck up. No. No more bets at Doncaster. We're going to go now to Cheltenham because, as I say, you know, they've been struggling for a bit of rain there at Cheltenham, but, um, you know, it's fantastic racing. Uh, always there. And um, there'll be a few runners in the first race. It's a novice hurdle for um, all age horses. Um Nicky Henderson, he's ticking away, getting a few winners. Um, he doesn't have a run on it for a change this year. But um, I think a horse that can win it is uh, owned by the McNeil family. Only one at Worcester the other day. Hes Adrian Heskin takes the ride. And it's called Shearer. Shearer. Called Shearer. Yeah. Um, I think it's called not after Alan Shearer, but I don't know. Might be. Have you ever met Alan Shearer? Uh, no, I've never met him. I must admit, but he went right down in my estimation when he turned Alec Ferguson down twice to sign for United. So, as far as I'm concerned, he's uh, persona non grata. Oh my God! What <laughs> thing to do? You don't. What you don't turn Alec do? Ferguson down twice. Come on. No, that's what you do. That's what you do. Oh. Lemon, how? Right, we've got a good trial race here. We like looking forward to the Chalk Festival in March, which is not a million miles away yet, about five months or so. <clears throat> and in the 240, 
couple of very good horses take on each other here. Pied Piper and Night Salute. Night Salute's trained by Milton Harris, isn't it? It and is, you know yes. a little bit about him. Yeah, He's ran in a pattern in front of Pied Piper, and he beat Pied Piper. Well, they did heat it at Liverpool. I don't know which one's going to win today, but I'm going to go for... Um, I'm going to go for um, Night Salute to do it today because he's two to one, whereas the other horse is uh, the other horse is about even money. So okay. it's going to be close, six and two threes between yeah. Pied Piper, Night Salute, whichever one your listeners happen to fancy. It's a hard run to call, but really good racing here. That's the great thing, um, and uh, very competitive. Okay, so right. what what wins uh, the rest of the races at Cheltenham? I'm just moving through. There's a per attempts race there, so nowadays you have a little few runs around those per attempts races, and you get a nice handicap mark to go and win the big one. But it doesn't work like that. Huh? Um, <clears throat> you have to finish in the first. Oh, oh, only only the first seven or eight that um, actually first finish first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth can get a run. Um, but Harry de Bromhead, Henry de Bromhead brings over a horse called Life in the Park and poor Henry, of course, a few weeks ago he lost his son um, in a pony ride that, you know, tragedy if you like, the horse had a heart attack, turned over on top of him. Um, and he brings a horse over called Life in the Park um, and I'd say that will win the 4.25. Last race is a bumper there normally bumpers those Last races there at Cheltenham. Um, it looks a pretty smart race. It really does. I, I can't tell you what's going to win, to be perfectly honest. I don't think we really know exactly what is going to run. So I'll leave that to your listeners to have a little go at. But in the meantime, we'll move down to Newbury because Newbury has a seven-race program, which includes the Horace Hill Stakes, the St. Simon Stakes, um, and the Radley Stakes, some really good racing there on Saturday. So let's have a look at the 150, and that is the Horace Hill Stakes. Um, right, what wins it? Well, that's where Buick's gone. I think Striking Star's probably the one he's got. Everybody's got a beaten Horace Hill. It's only had one run. It's come out and won nicely. Takes on some good class animals today, including Lord of Biscay. But in those all blue colours, the Godolphin, this horse was there. Pretty easy winner at Sandown Park in September, and I'd be surprised if it um, doesn't win again. Um, not too many horses have run that behind it, but one finished third. They just got beaten at um, air the other day, so I think the form's quite good. So that was in the 150 at Newbury number nine, Striking Star. Okay. Right, well, there's a good thing running in the St. Simon Stakes called Hamish. He's a horse that's so beautifully bred. Uh, he's, he's won six of his 13 races. He won at Ascot the other day and won very easily. Um, he's going to be odds on, but for those of you that like to pick a couple of so-called good things, if you like, and pop them in a few doubles and trebles from uh, Yankees or whatever, that is certainly one to put in because, as I say, he is a very smart animal trained by... William Haggis, who, of course, had Bay Eid last weekend, uh, beaten, sadly, um, at, um, at, at uh, Ascot. That was disappointing, wasn't it? What did you make of that? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, you could see, couldn't you just 
got into the sort of final two furlongs, he just wasn't quite going. And, you know, obviously the ground was the problem, I suppose. But, no, I was I was willing him on. I really wanted him to win. I think, you know, stories like that are so good. That, that, you know, a great, great horse like that. And, you know, it would be nice oh, to sort of see him almost get on a par with Frankel. Not quite, but almost. So. Yeah. What, what what do you think the race was then? Did you think it was much to yourself for? Well, I, you know, I'm not an expert on the going, but, I mean, that's what they were saying, wasn't it? That it was, you know, and he's... He said he didn't. I, mean, I wonder if it was just one race too many, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it could be. But there you go. Oh, talking of that too, our, our competition last week. You remember we had this little competition that we oh, tried? Yeah. Um, well, I get on that one winner. I'm afraid you didn't win. Uh, you did have five oh. winners instantly last week, <clears> which is uh, okay. I can't. Oh, good. Uh, oh, yeah, good. that wasn't too bad. But unfortunately, no, Dave Wilson. Uh, had three at uh, Ascot. Did you really? Yeah, yeah I had one Devil. in Kinross. Yeah. Uh, you had one oh, in well, Emily yeah. Up John. Um, yeah. Richard Phillips had, well, he said Bay to beat Bay Bridge. Well, of <coughs> course, in actual fact, Bay Bridge won that race, so I suppose you could yeah, say that. Yeah. And Simon Holt only yeah. had one as well. He had true show. So uh, just goes to show you, see, well, us so-called experts, we're not as good as we think we are. We're blooming not. What mm. a blooming nuisance. Yeah. Right, I'll give you a nice prize winner here. Come on, then. Um, on on um, Saturday, and it runs at, uh, in the Radley Stakes, was a listed race um, at, um, at, at, New, whoops, lost my page, at Newbury, <coughs> which is the 3.30. Yeah. What price is this going to be? And uh, what price it'll be? Number eight, Secret Solace. It's trained by Marcus Tregoning. Um, it won at Salisbury last time out. The form's worked out well, and I think he's got a real good chance. He's drawn. Where's he drawn? Drawn nine, right down the middle. Well, hopefully, um, uh, Ross Ryan doesn't get knocked off his horse, and he should be okay. If he doesn't get the old Sumi on elbow, yeah, then I think he should win. So you got him marked down. What's he called? He's called Secret Solace. Well done, you. I know. Well, staggering, really, isn't it? Absolutely it is staggering. So staggering, what sort of memory you've got? Right. Um, right in the uh, in a handicap there at four fifteen. I expect Mary's listening, don't you? Oh, I imagine she would be. Yeah, I'd be disappointed if she's not. Thing is, when your program goes on now, these darker evenings, instead of drinking champagne out on a rocking sort of, you know, those those sort of like lovely seats that just go backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, backwards yeah. and forwards out in the garden, you know, um, she'll be in now, sat in front of TV with a large whiskey. I would have thought, as the weather's getting a little bit, um, you know, miserable. Wouldn't you think, Tim? Well, there you go. There you go. Very That's... nice too. I... I don't mind a large whiskey in the evening sometimes if it's, uh, mm. <clears throat> if it's a bit miserable. Anyhow, if you listen, Mary, I hope you're well. Oh. I'm sure you are. And we'll catch up soon. But in the, um, I was going to say, in the 4.15, the Horace Hill School race, um, horse called Noble Masquerade. Now, this horse runs in the colours of HP Racing Noble Masquerade. And it sounds a little bizarre, but Today I've been for a Thanksgiving service for the owner, with the guy who runs the the syndicates, oh. uh, uh, Henry Ponsonby. Oh, yeah. Guy, and he just 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 dropped dead. 
about three weeks ago, bless him. Mm. He was only 75, really young. And um, we had such a... Uh, Nicky Henderson and, and his sister, um, Henry's sister, gave such a good reading. Uh, eulogy, it's called Today in Lambourne. And then there was a celebration of his life up at a friend of mine's, um, Fiona Vigas or Mar Mar Marna, um, in Lambourne. So that's where I've been today. To, but his horses, I'm not quite sure what happened, but at this minute, they're still running on in his name um, and being sort of obviously managed. But um, Noble Masquerade, not without a chance here. Quite yeah. well handicapped. Number 12 in the 4.15 at Newbury. Okay. Right. Um, we have an amateur riders race, the final race on the card. And not the sort of race that I really get betting in, to be perfectly honest. And as I look through I can't see anything that really stands out, so we'll give it a miss. And, well, I'm, um, I'm going to add something to that then, because if you look, oh, at, if you look at number seven, it's yeah. written by a certain Mr. Oh. Patrick Milman for yeah, his dad, Mr. Rod Milman. Now, uh, I spoke to Rod about this on, uh, on the show, and uh, mm. his son is a very good rider, very good yeah, rider, uh, and he's he's had a few winners in these sort of races, so... Uh, I'm not saying it's a tip. All I'm saying is that, that he's a good rider. It's a good Sounds horse. Like you, um, you know, so he takes your money and he plays your chance, don't you? Yeah. And isn't his son a solicitor or accountant or something? Who, sorry? Isn't a Rod son trained to be a solicitor or an accountant? Or something? I don't know. I'm not <laughs> sure. He wasn't. Didn't, didn't he used to work on uh, racing TV, I think, as well? Oh, did he? Yeah, I think well, so. Yeah, I think so. I think he did anyway. So, uh, uh, yeah. Good old family. Good old family. Yeah, indeed um, it is. The old Norman family. Yeah. Okay, that's just lovely to speak. Lovely to um, to speak to you, um, Aidy, and get the message out. Let's just hope we have a bit of success. Well, let's hope so. Uh, but I mean, you know, with racing uh, switching to the to the jumps, well. Now, basically, let's hope that uh, yeah. you're just beginning to get 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 going in in the old jumping stakes. Anyway, I hope so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, we'll get going soon, don't we? Good. Okay, then, old dog. Well, Good thank stuff. you very much for that. <laughs> and Take care. We will speak to you next week. I take it. I will do indeed. Cheers. Bye, listeners. Well, that brings us to the end of another racing show here on Three Valleys Radio. Great interview with Gay Calloway. Hope you enjoyed that. We'll be back next week. Usual place, usual time. So please join us then. But until then, have a good week. Music.